2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo. Welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young, and I'm pumped that you have joined us today for this episode. Today's guest is a guy I've never actually met in person before, but has been a huge blessing to me through his his books. Um, today we have on Zach Maldonado. And Zach has written a book called The Cross Worked. And he has written another book called Perfect and Forgiven. And we talk about his third book that he's working on in this podcast. But this dude... Um, spits hot gospel fire uh there's so much life in this podcast it's our shortest one and it's not close but it's packed with so much gospel that uh you might you might need to slow it down and really just savor it drink it all in it's excellent um so this this is a great great guy with um, just a changed life and uh, a new heart and he came on here to just talk to me about it and I loved it so uh, buckle up strap in love y'all appreciate y'all yo Richard are you about to do the podcast Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Put off the chains, we bounce. Yeah. Up when the night look out. I gotta tell you about how I ran into your stuff. And I just was looking it up, trying to find what website I went to um, because I was trying to look up books about like, I don't know if I put finished work or freedom in Christ or something. I don't know what, but I wanted an audible. I, I have audible on the phone and I wanted a book on that I could listen to while I was driving. Uh, about freedom and I don't know what website it took me to but there was a list of like 15 books and only yours and maybe Andrew Farley's were available on audible wow and yeah. I saw yours and it was perfect and forgiven and I'm like okay this has got to have some freedom in it yeah and it's by Zach Maldonado and I thought Oh, this must be like an old Hispanic pastor, <laughs> and and I'm half Hispanic, I'm, I'm and half I was just Hispanic like, too. "Let's go, yeah. bro!" And like, so I was like, adopted. "This is this is gonna be dope." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is gonna be dope," and so I'm listening to it, and the voice—I don't know if you've listened to your Audible, yes, your book on tape, but it's—I think it's like an older cat, and it doesn't sound like. Either way, I listened to it and it was, you know, it's amazing. And um, a lot of a lot of the, of the same stuff that um, a group of friends and, my, and I have been experiencing over the last two or three years, yeah. but it's in a book. And I'm just like, oh, this thing is is fire. And then I started looking you up on social media and I'm like, oh. Oh, this dude looks nothing like the voice <laughs> on the Audible, and he doesn't like this. Is oh, this this cat is young, and so uh, and then I started making, I started doing whatever on different Instagram pages where I started tagging you, and you were like, I you you mess with the people who are are uh, using uh, using your handle or adding you on there, and so that happened. And a, a bunch of my friends saw some of the stuff I was sharing about you. And um, I think they got your book, uh, The Cross Worked. And that led to something that I think when I first connected you about, like that this book, The Cross Worked, we were at this house church. Yeah. And people were flipping out about that book. And so, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Zach, that's you know, my boy. He, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 that's the homie. And so, uh, but yeah, this is the first time that we've, we've ever spoken, but that's how I got to know your stuff and, and praise the Lord, man, I've been really blessed by your ministry, Thank but you. what I wanted to do, and, and you talk a lot about growing up in, in the book, but I kind of want to know your background as growing up, um, you were a Christian, your folks Christian, like talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So before we get there, I mean, one, thank you for letting me be part of this Two, Yeah. Y'all have like this awesome growing tribe of people. Uh, three, I don't know if you know, so me and Drew, Andrew Farley, we work together. Uh, I've been working at his ministry for five years and at his church for five years. And so I'm a pastor with him. And uh, so if you love my content, you're really going to love Andrew Farley. He's got thousands of uh, messages and like short clips and content like 
Like if you have those, because when you get into this message of the finished work of the new covenant, you're going to have questions because what we always say all the time, there's more unlearning than there is learning. Um, so you're actually, you're actually unlearning more than what you're actually learning. Because honestly, I've heard it hundreds of times. Drew's heard it hundreds of times. We hear it all the time at the church. You're putting into words what I believed in my heart, but I couldn't articulate with my mouth, right? So like people wow. who, who come to this message, I mean, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, and then he said, like, there's other places that talk about how God's word has been hidden in our heart. And how, I mean, if Christ is living mm -hmm. in us, then his spirit is going to mm. bear witness with our spirit when truth is proclaimed. Um, that's Mercy. like, that's how it's going to happen. So that's why when people start hearing about the new covenant and their identity, they go, well, yeah, I, I feel like I knew this, but I didn't know this. Like, and, and so that's that unlearning of all those lies. And so anyway, man, he's got so much good content about like some of those, like, but what about questions? But what about this first? What about? And so anyway, you can check him out. Um, you're welcome, Drew. AndrewFarley.org, a little plug. Um, but I love him. He, oh yeah, I'm I'm on his stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah, on yeah. his stuff. I think I've read two two of his books. Yeah, so so, uh, so Twisted Scripture is a recent The Naked Gospels, like yeah. one of his most popular. He's got another one coming out this March. I mean, that dude, he just pumps out books and he's a machine, so and content. So if you love what you're listening now, go check him out. He's all over social media too. So um, but anyway, yeah, man. So I grew up um a little bit Church of Christ, uh, which uh, maybe, you know, it's a denomination really popular in the, in the Bible belt, but, um, grew up that, and that wasn't a bad experience, but, uh, kind of shifted in sixth grade, um, into a non-denominational sort of more charismatic church. Um, my parents mm -hmm. were Christian, um, but I don't know how you, we weren't, you know, overly committed. We wouldn't go to church every Sunday, but in sixth grade, things changed. My whole family kind of um, was on fire and, and we were in this church, this kind of startup and man, I was, I got saved in sixth grade. Um, but it was all about what I, like I knew God, I thought I knew God loved me in the sense that like he saved me. Um, and I'm going mm -hmm. to heaven. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure maybe I thought, I think I thought I couldn't lose my salvation, but I don't know. I don't quite remember, but here's what I thought. I thought, man, I have to keep this dude pleased. And, and I always thought he was far off. Like I never had this concept of Christ in me. That was never taught. He, he was always far off. It was always about how glorious and good God is and how terrible and bad I am. And, and I'm just his servant. I'm constantly serving. And I was, man, I was dedicated. I was committed. I mean, this was all in the time where the whole radical movement and, and, and all this was, was going on. And so I was reading and I was, I was the guy, me and my youth pastor, we did this special study, just me and him, where I was memorizing scripture. We were going through this Paul Timothy thing. We were meeting, like he would pick me up from my baseball games and we'd go study scripture for hours on a Saturday night. Like who does that? Right. Like, so like I was that guy. And then like, I was a three sport athlete in high school. So once high school came and, and really middle school as well, I, I couldn't, I didn't really have time for Wednesday night, Sunday night church and, and really Sunday mornings. I mean, mm -hmm. my family was going, we were busy. My dad had a business and then, you know, came a lot of the legalism and my dad had already kind of picked up on some of this. Um, and 
my pastor at the time came up to me and my sister, we were at a meeting at his house and said, because of y'all's disobedience, because of y'all's lack of faithfulness, I've had this vision, Zach, that I saw you getting carted off the field. Um, and he said something similar to my sister. Um, and that never happened. But at that point, I, this was your pastor that said this, this is my pastor. So, so on a side note, like what? I've been hurt by the church, but now I'm in love with the local church and I serve it. That's my job, full-time job. Um, and the church may have hurt you, but don't give up on the local church. There is, there is hope. I, there's a, there's a big movement going on. That's like anti-local church these days. And I understand it's hard to find maybe people who share the same message you do, but we need community guys. We do need community. So don't give up. The church hurt me, but the church, the local church pastors within the church also helped bring about the healing I needed. Um, but anyway, um, so at that point in my life, I thought, man, I have to keep God pleased, but he's never pleased. I'm never doing enough. I'm always having to do more to earn his love. I had no concept of identity, no concept of who I was in Christ. It was, I'm just this dirty, rotten sinner. There's, there's no good in me. There's nothing righteous about me. Um, and there's also nothing I can do to keep this old, angry man up in the sky. And I just thought at any moment, he's going to um, strike me down. And so my freshman year of high school, after that event with my pastor, I just said, screw it, screw it all. And I'm just going to live my life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I know I was a straight A student. I was uh, all the honors. I was, you know, a three sport athlete, all that. I, I lived this double life of in the public eye. I was a good, goody, good boy, but man, I, I, I was doing everything I could to try to fulfill my, myself. But every night I would go to sleep thinking one, what's wrong with me? One, I'm, it doesn't feel like I'm worthy of love, but two, there's something that's wrong with me because I'm nothing ever fulfills me. Nothing's ever enough. I'm not enough. Hmm. Something must be wrong with Mercy. me. Um, and so that finally led me to my senior year going, all right, God, I'll give you another shot. Literally, I was at my 18th birthday party. I mean, I was high and drunk and I literally kind of sensed the spirit going, all right, just just think about the influence you could have, but also give me another shot. It wasn't audible, but it was just something I sensed. And so like mm. that next week I was like, all right. And, and I did. And, and my dad had been telling me about some, some teachings and I, I, I started reading through Romans and, and, and thinking, I have never seen some of these verses before. Why haven't I seen these? And so I started coming on to the new covenant and it changed my world forever. And obviously, as I said, it's been about eight or nine years since that moment. And it, and it's been more unlearning, unlearning all the legalistic religious lies that I believed. And I guess the, the two things that really made the light bulb go off for me were, hmm. one was God the Father was pleased with me apart from anything I did. He was pleased with me. Um, when, awesome. when Jesus went down into the baptism waters and he came up, the Father declared from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The moment we're placed into Christ, the father does the same thing. Zach is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. That's our starting point. We start the Christian life with that statement from God. We live our entire life under a banner that says, pleasing my beloved child, you're pleasing to me. Like that's tattooed on us. That is God's opinion, no matter what. Yes, scripture talks about us being able to please God. 
Of course it does. But it says without faith, it's impossible to do that. It doesn't say with effort, you can do that with enough good works. God wants our trust. And what's cool is we're pleasing to God already. Second Corinthians 2.15 says we're a pleasing aroma to God. But then we can please God. Because think about it. All the disappointing and unpleasing moments, what did Jesus do with them? He became them and he took them away. And so that's this awesome paradox of God's love. So that was one. And two, this free gift of righteousness. Romans 5 talks about it. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, Jesus became our sin so we could become his righteousness. So wait a minute. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm as righteous before God as Jesus is. I'm as holy before God as Jesus is. And it's not, there's this popular teaching. Well, that's just how God sees you. That's this popular teaching. And then, oh God, when God looks at you, he has to see his son. Well, that sounds cool, but it still, it still puts this picture that God can't look at us. No, God can clearly look at you and me because First John says we're born of God. We're a child of God. Say, uh, Ephesians 2.10 says we're his masterpiece. I've never seen a painter have to cover up his masterpiece with another painting. Never. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's proud of that. He's in awe of that. We think, oh, you can't say that. We're supposed to be in awe of God. Of course we're in awe of God. But he's in awe of his new creation. Are you kidding me? Um and, and we're the bride of Christ. We're one spirit with Christ. We're dead to sin. We're alive to God. We're blameless. We're holy. And that's because of this new birth. We've been born again. We've been made alive. We've been um, um, crucified, buried, and raised to newness of life. The mm. old is gone. Mm. Behold, the new has Behold. come. The The old self is crucified and dead. Behold, you're the new self who's righteous and holy in Christ. This isn't some view that God has from you from heaven. This is actually who he's made you. And yes, dude, we all sin. Of course we do. We all stumble. But God has said, I am going to choose to define you, not by what you do, not by the sins you commit, but by who you are in me. So no matter what you do, your identity doesn't change. No matter what you do, your value and your worth to me doesn't change because you didn't get your identity by what you did. We didn't become righteous and holy through our good works and our effort. Romans 5.19 says that Adam's disobedience made us sinners, but the obedience of the one, Jesus, made us righteous. So our righteousness is tied up in the finished work of Christ, not in what we do. It's not tied up in our works. We're not righteous and holy on the basis of our performance. We're righteous and holy on the basis of what Christ has already done for us. And so that's why our entire Let's life, talk about Romans 5.19 for a second. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Because my wife and I, like, when she was uh, still kind of living in deception and that her identity was was confused the thought from romans 5 19 set her free in this way and you tell me if you're vibing with what i say what i'm saying when someone says why it why is sin in our lives we take it very personally well because i did you know i had this and i did this and but romans 5 19 tells us why it was because of one man's sin that sin entered the world and through sin, death. Mm. That is why sin is in this world. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm like, yo, do you know why there's sin in your life? Like, it isn't your fault that it, that it came into your life. 
Now, we all have personal choice and personal responsibility, but if we go on and read Romans 6, we find out what actually happened to sin and, and, and all of that. But this thought that the reason why sin is here wasn't even on me, like I had no choice. I was born into this, and that's why Jesus tells Nicodemus in, in John 3 that you, you got to be born again because the first birth it didn't, it didn't happen. You know, it wasn't good enough. Like you were born into this thing because of someone that you've never met who was the first Adam and his sin, like the, the idea that it all came and it wasn't our fault. Um, what, what do you think about that? Does, does that set people free in some way that like, Oh, this wasn't my fault from the beginning. Why am I taking it so personally and beating myself up? Yeah, I, I definitely see what we've always said that that I think kind of ties this together. Um, and, and Andrew Farley showed this to me. I think he's got it in one of his books. But birth determines identity in scripture. You just said we're born mm -hmm. into sin. Well, we were born that way. We, we didn't do anything to, to make that happen. Well, we're reborn as righteous, holy, there's nothing to make that happen. So it's our birth, not our performance or our behavior that determines who we are. Um, and that's why this, that's why our identity is rooted in our birth. Like as a human, like I can't unbirth myself. Like I can't go back and cl climb in and, and undo what's already been done. That's why you cannot undo the new creation. You, you cannot undo that's why Romans six says we're slaves of righteousness, like ball and chain, man, like you are hooked on to righteousness. And that's why sin is no longer fulfilling for you because it's not even part of your DNA anymore. It's not even part of the new person Mercy. you are anymore. Like you're, you're new. Uh, and, and that became, that happened because of a rebirth, because of being born again, um, because of this heart surgery, as we say, because of being crucified, buried and raised. And so, yeah, man, I think however we can figure out how we can disconnect our identity from what we do, that's when freedom happens. So I, so let, let's talk right. about let's talk about addicts. Let's talk about alcoholics. Let's talk about, oh, I'm an angry person. I'm a prideful person. I struggle with, you know, half of people listening to this are struggling with porn or lust of some sort, right? So oh, I'm just a, I'm just a lustful person. No, you're a child of God who struggles with lust. You're a child of God who struggles with addiction. You are not those things. You, you aren't those things. And, and people, oh, that's just semantics. No, it's truth. It's truth because you are not identified by your worst or your best moment by something that's happened to you. Maybe you're a victim of abuse or, or, or something that's been done or said to you, you are not those things. You are who God Mercy. not only says you are, but has made you. You're a child of God. That's not some fake thing. That, that's who you are. And so if we can wrap our minds around the fact that we are actually literally infused. Christ is living in us. He's, 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 we're one spirit with him. We're righteous and holy. And here's the thing. Some people say, well, it's that's who I am in Christ or or that's God's righteousness. Yes, it's, it's God's <laughs> righteousness, but he's given it to us as a gift. 
Jesus is not the new creation. We are. Jesus is not the masterpiece. We are. Jesus is not the bride of Christ. We are. I, lo I love to share this illustration. Um, when, when I saw my bride, um, man, tears flowed from my eyes. All, I mean, this is my perfect spotless bride. I got married in July. And, and scripture says we're the bride of Christ. And I, and I know Jesus is a lot nicer than me, but man, if, if you or someone were to, were to tell me like, bro, your, your bride is ugly and fat, like we about to throw hands, like I'm going to beat you up. Like you don't talk about my bride that way. And yet we have, down. we have preachers and teachers who are calling the bride of Christ something he's not calling them. And we need to stop calling ourselves things. You're not a sinner. You sin, but you're not a sinner. You're not what you do. Then the same way you're not a saint because of the saintly things you do. You're not a sinner and a saint. You're a saint who who stumbles. You're a saint who who still sins in this world, but you're not what you do. You're not an alcoholic. That's what you do, but that's not who you are. So we need to separate who we are from what we do. And man, when we do, whew, you want to talk about freedom. Yeah. I think uh, the unlearning, let's talk about the unlearning. One, when you are double-minded, like we believe a lot of things that the world says and that some of the have worked out for the world. Let's talk about Alcoholics Anonymous. If I go to my first Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, it starts out, we all know how it starts out. Hi, my name is Richard and I'm an alcoholic. And if I don't have a sip of alcohol for 40 years and I go to my second meeting 40 years later, it would start the same way. Hi, I'm Richard. I'm an alcoholic. And that's just like how the, the the people who ever created Alcoholics Anonymous have decided that you can guard yourself by always believing that you're going to be subjected to this thing that's over you. And we have moved that. I don't know where it started. It may have started with Luther, who thought you were both a, a sinner and a son, where the, the Bible does not teach that. And then we thought, oh, this is who we are. We need Jesus. And even the idea, oh, oh, I need Jesus. Well, he lives in you. Like, we're not followers of Jesus. He lives in us. And these are the things that we're having to unlearn. Well, this is not Alcoholics Anonymous or Sex Addicts Anonymous. This is what you just said. You're a new creation. The, the, the old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And... Even when we think of 1 John 2, 1, where he says, I'm telling you this so you don't do these things. Mm -hmm. It's an option, you know? And so, but if we don't believe it's an option, we, we believe that sin has this thing over us. Like, these are the things that we've had to unlearn to step into freedom. So if we're going back to the verses in Romans that right after your senior year, you had this moment, what what was what were you reading in there and why were you reading it with fresh eyes what happened so that you could see it with fresh eyes yeah i mean it was just this understanding of the new covenant and just to kind of hit on what you're saying because people are going like wait what do you mean we're not followers of jesus well what we're saying is like we're not following this dead historical teacher like christ is living in us and acts as in him we move and live and have our being it's christ in us it's galatians 2:20 it, it's it's Christ living his life in us and through us, but it's not, you know, once again, I want to correct a, an error in that teaching and that it's not like we're these 
lifeless people or these hollow tubes where like Christ is flowing through us, like he's using us. Like it's, we're in union together. Like it, it's he's using Mercy. our, our personality and our expression as he's expressing himself. And then, you know, uh, ultimately most people have this fake it till you make it theology. If I'm still a saint and a sinner, well, then God's saying, Hey Zach, you're really just a dirty, rotten sinner, but try to be holy. So you're really a, a mm. fat pig, but try to fly like an eagle. And that's not the message. The message is you're dead to sin, alive to God. The message is you're a slave to righteousness. The message is you're a new creation. So here are the things that match who you are. You're righteous, so live righteous. You're holy, so live holy. Um, just be right, yeah. who God has made you to be. And yes, when you stumble, you can look at that going, oh, I'm not. I'm, that's not who I am. I actually no longer want to do those things. When we're faced with a tempting thought, we can go, well, man, I, am I impure? Well, if I'm impure, then what's another impure thought? If I'm if I'm dirty, what's another dirty thought? But wait a minute, God's made me clean. God's made me righteous. So actually choosing that is actually going to be more fulfilling. That's why sin isn't fulfilling anymore. Um, that's why when we sin, we feel guilt. We feel regret. Maybe not right in the moment, but we do. And God's saying, mm. it's, no, God's not hurling guilt and shame our way. God's just saying, hey, that's just not who you are. Why would you eat in the dumpster when I've given you a steak to chew from every single day? I've given you these good works. I'm just asking you to trust me. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I want to say something about the need because we are fully dependent. But yeah, we're not like calling out to God in heaven. God, I need you. Come here and help me and rescue me. Even moment. Every single moment he's there. Every single moment he's with you. There's never a moment when that doesn't happen. And so I love, I love because people say, well, Zach, if we're righteous and holy, then why do we need God? And it's like, well, Jesus perfectly showed us what that looks like. Jesus was perfectly God and yet perfectly dependent. Philippians 2 says he, he humbled himself, emptied. John 15, I, I can do nothing apart from my father. And so it's the same with us. Like, we're holy and righteous, yet we're perfectly dependent upon God. He's our strength. He's our resource. Like we're not having to muster up love and forgiveness. Like that's part of Christ living in us, right? Like that's the beautiful, mm -hmm. like he is the well we draw from. That's why, you know, Jesus talks about there'll be this spring that'll never run dry. That's him. Like he's the one who's animating. He's the one who's constantly fueling us and strengthening us. He's the source. Um, you know, a light bulb has to be hooked into a source. But, you know, that Romans 6, like as you were talking about, really, man, it, you just go through that. And you see, my old self is crucified. I'm dead to mm. sin. I'm obedient from the heart. Wait a minute. Why, why is it so popular to quote Jeremiah 17 and Jeremiah 30? <laughs> and I've got this deceitfully wicked heart. Don't trust your heart. Blah, 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 blah. The same prophets, Jeremiah, Moses, Ezekiel, you know what they all prophesied? One day God will give you this new obedient heart that, that is one accord, that, that wants what God wants. And that's what Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 10 talks about, that God has written his instructions and his desires on our heart. Romans 6, 17, he's made us obedient from the heart. Romans 5, 5, um, God's filled our heart with love. So the new commandment, love one another. Well, he's filled our heart with love. We're loving now by our heart. Ephesians 6, 6, we can do God's will from the heart. First Timothy, we can love from a pure heart. Like our heart is new. 
and good and obedient. And now that's the thing we want. So now these words like obedience and repentance, they used to scare us, but now they're just these beautiful things. Like, of course, I want to renew my mind. That's, that's repentance. Of course, I want to obey. I'm not obeying. This is what I, I say all this all the time. This is, this is the, this is how you can put this into perspective. Religion is all about obeying for acceptance, obeying for love, obeying for God's delight. But the gospel says you obey from the love, acceptance, and delight of God. That's how we live our lives. Everything we do is from what's already been done. We're not getting anything more from God. God has given us his best. His name is Jesus. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1, 3, 2 Peter 1, 3. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So we, we don't have a transactional relationship with God. We're not doing in order for him to bless us or give us something for us. We're not needing more of the spirit or more of Christ. Less of me, more of him. No, that was John the Baptist, dude. Like, stop quoting John the Baptist. Like, You've got all of Jesus and he wants to use you. And that's why Romans 6 says you're an instrument to God. You're an instrument mm, of righteousness. Mm. He's not trying to get you out of the way. He wants to use you. Um, and that's, once again, we have to correct this, this dirty, rotten, worm theology we've created where we're sons and daughters of God. We're children of God. He wants to use us. He loves who we are. He loves who he sees. We're dead to sin. And what that means is, I no longer want to sin. I no longer desire the things I used to desire. Why? Because I'm now a slave of righteousness. I'm dead to sin. Romans 6, 14, sin no longer has power over me. I don't know about you, but your old boss can't tell you what to do anymore. Our old boss was hmm. sin and the law, and they can't tell you what to do. Yeah, do we go back and uh, choose that? Yes, but it has no authority or power over you. Um, unbelievers, man, they're just going crazy. They're thinking of ways to sin. They're, 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 they're alive to sin in, in ways, right? Dead to sin, but they're also alive to sin in ways. Well, we're alive to God, meaning that's all we want. And so it's this new, that's part of our new identity, man. And, and obviously, uh, you know, there's, there's things we love to, we love to hit on in the new covenant. And, one, it's this idea that we're forgiven. Like, man, we've got to understand that, that the cross worked. It was effective. God saw all your sins and he forgave them. We have this new life, Christ in us. Like, we're not, we're not seeking or searching out for God. He's living inside of us. That's his dwelling place. We're one spirit. We're mm. in union with him. We've got this new identity. We're holy, righteous children of God that we can live from. We're perfect. We're not, we're not as the popular slogan says, we're not I'm just not perfect. I'm just forgiven. No, we're perfectly cleansed. We're perfectly loved. We're perfectly delighted. And we're perfect in our new creation. Um, and we're forgiven. And then we're free, man. We're free from the law. We're free from the tyrannies of, of rules and regulations. We're free to serve God in this new way, as Romans 7 says, to bear fruit from God apart from the law. We're free from sin. We're free from that power. We're free from shame. Um, and we're free to love and that's that's the beauty of the new covenant is that people get scared when you teach that people are forgiven but you got they got to understand they've got these new hearts that you know what they don't want to take advantage of god's grace you know oh grace is a license to sin no it's not titus 2 12 says it's the grace of god that teaches us to say no to sin do do the people that 
when when you preach this out to people who haven't heard it before, what kind of reaction have you been getting of recent? Honestly, pretty good. I, you know, what's been unique over the even in the midst of the last year, I've been able to go speak at, at new places that um, this message isn't really haven't been hasn't been heard. Um, and I mean, it's receptive, receptive. Don't get me wrong, dude. You, you should see my inbox and my comments and my, my DMS and all that, like people don't like, and they'll just eventually, cause they don't understand what I'm saying. Um, and they, they, they hear one phrase or they hear one thing that, that sounds the alarm. And I'm like, I'm just saying what scripture's saying. And, and yeah, like, let's look at the passages of scripture that you're looking at, but it's overwhelming. Like in the back of my book, Perfect and Forgiven, I, I listed over 80, 70 or 80 verses that talk about our identity and like, you can't miss it, but we do miss it because we're so big on, here's what you need to do for God. Here's how you need to earn God's love. Here's how you need to do better. Here's how you need to surrender more or obey more or die to self more, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, we, we literally invent these things. And, and one thing you said about humility earlier, that's what it comes down to. There's this false humility that has completely wrecked Christianity that says, oh, it's cool to, to have this false humility of, oh, I'm this dirty, rotten sinner. And, and I'm this poor old me, wretched man that I am. And we're misquoting Paul and I'm this chief of sinner, blah, blah, blah. And um, we think that's a badge of honor. And true biblical hum humility is saying what God says about us, because I don't always see righteousness and holiness from Zach's life. I don't always see that. I don't always feel that. But you know what? By faith, I can believe that. And that's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. The humility thing, I always compare it to the check coming at a restaurant and you got Let's just for this argument, say there's two men, two families, and they start arguing over who's going to pick up the check. And it seems like it's humble when someone says, no, let me get this. And the other guy's like, no, let me get this. And they're kind of playing this cat and mouse with the check. Mm -hmm. But it's not humility. It's pride. One saying like, listen, I got this. I have enough money to get my family and your family. And the other guy's like, no, 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 no. I don't need your help. I can get your family as well as my family. And it's this weird jockeying yeah. where true humility is acceptance. So if you give me something, it would be prideful for me to be like, oh, please don't. No, 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 please don't. But true humility would say, thanks, bro. I really appreciate yeah. this gift. That would be true humility. And it's that's what the gospel is. Sometimes people have a hard time taking it because you have to, you, there's, you don't you get to work for it. You don't, that's not how it works. And people don't like that um, because they're in the self-righteousness deception. And uh, yeah, so true humility is, is hands open like it, what you're saying. Yeah. So good. So good. So I want to, I, I really do want to get this because it's called death to life. This moment where the new covenant, like you got new covenant goggles, you got freedom goggles where before you were reading Romans 7, 14 through 25, and you're like, that's my life. And then you started reading and you're like, oh, 
that's not my life. That was my life in the flesh. Romans 8, 9, I'm not even in the flesh. I'm in the spirit. When did this change happen where you started reading the Bible just differently? I mean, I know when, but what did it? Yeah, so so really there was two big events. So there was that moment in high school when when all this stuff, and it, it was still a process of unlearning, but there was those two two things about God being pleased and me being the righteousness of God. And then there was about three or four years later, and I, I was I was down in the dumps, man. I was feeling depressed, and I, I literally just spoke a, a message on identity. I was driving home, and uh, I was just crying and screaming to God, and and wanting to just to I does anyone care about me? What if I ended my life? Blah blah blah, all that. And over the next about month, God used this idea of Christ as my life, and and you'll see how it connects in a second, but um, what does it mean that he is everything? Like, what does it mean that I don't have to have perfect circumstances in order to feel okay or be okay? That I don't have to have perfect performance or perfect faith or perfect anything that literally he's enough in me and he's okay with me and he's good with me because of what he's done. Like there's like there's not this pressure or this performance or this circus act or this standard that he's wanting me to meet each and every day. Um, and so, yeah, man, I mean, like I said, I, there's, there's moments when there was ahas, but really it's just been this process of like, Oh, and like I said, I mean, going back to like those pillars, like if, do you really believe, because it's like identity's gotten popular. Have you noticed? Like we've got Lauren Daigle, we've got other people singing songs, and 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 they're good songs, and and so identity's kind of become popular. But we just we just make it this. Oh, that's just how God sees me, and it's not who I really am. So once we get through that, and then I just think there's a lot of lies that we have to um, straighten out and 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 show them with the truth, and then. Once again, dude, this forgiveness thing, I think is huge. Like understanding I'm not my shame and guilt. I am forgiven. Um, and then for me lately, what it's been is what does it mean to be united with Christ? I'm, I'm one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. I'm hidden in him, Colossians 3, 3. Um, you know, I'm sealed by the spirit. Like Christ is in me. I'm united with Christ. He likes me. He delights in me. He loves me. He's good with me. Uh, and then, um, what's his heart, you know, what's his heart for me in every moment? And his heart is gentle and humble, gentle and kind. Um, Matthew eleven twenty nine says, and so he's never using anger or disgust or guilt. And so that's where that relational piece comes in. Of uh, my day-to-day -day relationship with God is he's gentle and humble with me. He's not ever shaming me or guilting me. And so, um, so yeah, man, I mean, like that, when I realized that righteousness deal and that pleasing deal, that was like a death to life moment. That was like, oh my goodness, I'm actually in literally the righteousness of God. And literally, man, like overnight, I no longer mm -hmm. wanted to to chase after women and to go party. And like I I sit I saw my desires change like that. And I know it it it's different for people. But man, there was that moment of like, holy cow, like I actually want what God wants. And don't get me wrong, guys, like I'm going to be the first to tell you, like I understand this like 19% of the time. Now I am growing like last year, it was like 17 and a half. But 
Like there's days where, <laughs> where I sin or I do something. And it's like, yeah, that felt good. I wanted to do that. And then obviously I'm like, no, that was stupid. And so like, yes, there are moments when it feels like sin is better or it feels like, you know what, I'm just going to choose these things and I, whatever. Um, but over time, what you, what you discover is, wait a minute, I really do desire the things of God because as Philippians 2 says, like he's working in me um, to make that happen. No, man, that's, that's it is when you realize that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, um, then you can be who you are before you were trying to be righteous and you knew you couldn't. Now you are righteous because he says you're righteous. And I think of first John four seventeen where he says, just as Jesus was on this earth so are you Mm -hmm. and you're thinking like man i could not be more righteous and then you think of the fruits of the spirit i the the way we i heard the fruits of the spirit preach and i had to unlearn this is they would oh love joy peace patience they would have a sermon on each one showing why it's good to have patience Mm -hmm. you're like oh cool that's i need to work on my patience right left the sanctuary thinking i need to work on my patience now understanding that Romans 5, 5, the Holy Spirit has been poured out to me in love. I have the Spirit. So what does that mean? That means that I, I have actually been given perfect patience. Yep. It's Jesus' own patience. I couldn't, be, I couldn't have more patience than I have because of the Spirit that lives in me. So shouldn't I just be patient? I don't need to get more patience or self-control. I need to believe that the spirit is living in me and with the spirit comes a perfect amount of self-control, a perfect amount of patience, a perfect amount of all these things that, and those aren't all the fruits of the spirit, right? Those are just the ones that he mentioned in Galatians five. There's, 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 there's more. And so you look at it now as this is what I have rather than this is what I need to get. And when you believe you have it, guess what manifests in your life? Patience, goodness, kindness, right, self-control. Because you believe that you have it, you're not living from that that lack. Yeah, and it's it it's the fruit of the spirit. So it's all like right. one. You know what I mean? Like it's not like, oh well, I'm I'm only displaying one of the fruit. Like if you're displaying one, you're displaying all. And it's God's character. And God's character Mercy. has been infused with your spirit. Like He's given you the God's given you his heart, like his heart is to love and he's given you that heart of love. He's poured out his love into your heart. You know, we always see first Corinthians 13 at weddings. What's the, you're you're seeing the fruit of the spirit in there. Love is patient, love is kind, blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. so what if I recognize that that's who I am now. And so now when those moments come, like patience is my default setting and yes, I'm having to wrestle with the fact that I can be very impatient, but you know what? I need to understand that actually patience is my default setting and that's what I want to choose and that's what I want. And that's actually the most natural thing for me. And so, yeah, man, that, that changes everything. And I, I just think coming back to, for, for many people, it just needs to be this idea that you cannot earn God's love. You cannot perform for his love. You cannot lose his love. You cannot make God love you any more than he does now. You can't make him love you any less. 
God wants you to enjoy that love. He wants you to enjoy him, not try to strive or earn anything from him. And that's, that's where we can start just resting in Christ and trusting in his heart for us and just enjoying our relationship with him. Like, man, I'm married. Are you married? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 12 years and uh, 11 of them were whack because I didn't understand this identity thing. That's okay. But imagine you or your wife always constantly trying to please you or work hard for you and, and, and just always serving and doing all these things and never enjoying you. Like a relationship's about enjoying one another. You're having fun with each other. You're talking to one another. Um, And then when, guess what? When I do good, when I do good things for my wife, it never feels like, Oh, I, here I go. I better go get her flowers. I better go take her out to dinner. God, I better, I better plan out this date, man. I better go buy her this present. It's like, are you kidding me? It's just an overflow. It's just this natural thing. And that's how the Christian life is supposed to work. Like, don't get me wrong. Like there's going to be moments when you have those thoughts and you have those emotions, like, man, this seems tough or whatever. But like at, at the more I feel like you can enjoy Christ, the more you can know his heart for you, Man, some of these things, it's just going to be a natural outflow of just what's going on with you and him. Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, before I let you go, I want to ask you, what is something, and you mentioned a little bit about it, I guess, but what is something that is is just sticking out to you as this gospel is getting just like established in your heart? Like what is sticking out to you about this this gospel that is just yeah something. um yeah so uh i'm working on my third book right now and my like i said my favorite part one of my favorite parts has been this idea of god's heart for us like his, the heart of christ the only place that jesus describes his heart is in matthew eleven twenty nine. 29 it's that famous passage of come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you uh, and you will find yeah. rest for your souls for my for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But right, right before that, he says, I'm, I'm going off memory, but he says, you know, my my heart is gentle and humble with you or gentle and lowly. Or, or, and, and that's so cool because think about how I like to ask this question. How does God react to your sin? Well, we see that in the Gospels, the woman caught in adultery. What does he do? He, he takes all of her accusers away. He, he picks her up. He says, Who, who's accused you? No one, Lord, will go. Neither do I condemn you. Legalism says, go live free from sin and God won't condemn you. But the gospel is, neither do I condemn you. There's no condemnation right here, right now, forever. And every single moment, God will never, ever, 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 ever condemn you or punish you. That's not even in his vocabulary for us in Christ. And he's saying, neither do I condemn you. Go live free. Uh, and, and we have it twisted. We think I better live this sin-free life in order for God to love me. And that's not the gospel. And then you think of Peter. Peter denied him three times. What did Jesus do? Scripture talks about the next day, uh, Jesus is on the shore. You know the story. He makes him breakfast, right? So Jesus makes him breakfast, tells Peter, hey, I'm going to use you. You're going to be you're going to be a rock, man. I'm going to use you um, to to help launch this this new movement. And he does use Peter after Peter denies him three times. Uh, you think of the prodigal son, story after story. How does God react to our sin? It's never with shame and guilt. It's him reminding us, hey, I took the nails. I took the sin. I took the punishment. The cross worked. 
stop being so dang consumed with your dadgum sins that I took away and be more consumed with me and my finished work and what I've done. And when you can understand that, you can live free. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, understanding God's heart, I just think that just I'm, I'm, I try to be as practical as I can. And, 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 and sometimes people are like, Zach, how does this message apply to my life? And it's like a vacation. Like you don't show up in Mexico. Like we went to Cabo for a honeymoon. We, we didn't show up and go, how does this apply to us? Like we went to the, we went to the, 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 uh, the pool and we jumped in and we ordered a margarita and, and we, ha- we enjoyed ourselves. And it's the same thing at, at Christmas, you received a gift. You don't go, how does this apply to me? You open it up and you enjoy the gift. Right. And that's, that's Christ, man. And so I think, I think it's, it's going to be important as people start to understand this. What is the new covenant? The new covenant is all about Jesus. It's all about the old covenant was me and God. The new covenant is God and God and his promise to himself. And we inherit that his promise to himself. So the old covenant was God will be faithful. God will bless if we obey, if we're faithful. The new covenant is about Jesus's faithfulness, Jesus's obedience, Jesus's perfect work. So that's why 2 Timothy 2.13 says, even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. Our relationship with God, our rightness with God, God's fellowship with us, God's connection with us, God's closeness to us is not in any way tied to our obedience and our performance and anything we do. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. And, And so I think that's a huge understanding when we understand what actually the new covenant is and how our relationship with God is not tied up with anything we do, but with what he's done. And then we understand what does it mean to have new life in Christ, that Christ is in us? What does it mean to have this new forgiveness that's once for all, as Hebrews says? What does it mean to have this new identity as righteous children of God? And then I think just from those sort of pillars, if you will, or from those baseline truths that we can just start to grow in the grace and knowledge of God and really just start to enjoy him. That's awesome, man. I want you to to plug your stuff, man. I want if people are interested in in uh more of this stuff from you man where could we find more more big zach (laughs) yeah so my two books perfect and forgiven and the crossword you can get them on amazon and kindle and barnes and noble and audible as well and and then i just released a, a new devotional podcast there's so many hurting people who are anxious and depressed. And so it's about five minutes a day. You can get it on anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Um, And then it's a video as well. So the video is on YouTube and Facebook and there's some short clips on Instagram and stuff. And so really that's a lot of encouragement. And then, as I said, I mean, um, Andrew Farley is an awesome resource. And then, I mean, you, you're always linking some great stuff. And, and so, so yeah, man, I mean, between the books and the podcast and, and then my website, there's some old messages you can look up on YouTube as well. And so, so yeah. Well, thanks a lot, man. It's a, uh, it's great to, to see you in person, not in person, obviously in person COVID wise, Yeah. Uh, but to see you and talk to you and man, Rich, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Rich, this has been awesome. Thank you, man. I, I'm excited um, just for, for you and, and for this ministry and and all your friends and just getting this message out, man, people need it. And so keep doing it. Don't be discouraged. Um, Don't, don't pay attention to the views or downloads. Just keep going for it, man. People are listening and, and the word's getting out. So thank you. Yeah, man. Appreciate you.
go shoot Can't stop till we make it to the moon It's too late, can't stop it, it's a boom No, I can't, I wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive We stay alive, ayy Hey, put your hands down And hey, we ain't coming questions, yeah, we bend down Creed, I am Adonis, watch the hands now Went from thinking broke to living rich now Hey, busting with the twos, you watch me slide now Hey, she look kinda bougie and she bad now Hey, mama think I made it easy, proud now Hey, hey I'm a prince, that's Rakim, that's Rakim. 23, check the rings, FOG on my feet, on my soul. Jesus Christ set me free, son. Only motivation on me now is heavenly. Lot of people trying to drain me of this energy. I talked to God, told me people's not my enemies. I'm cutting ties with the spirits trying to play with me. Can't stop till we make it to the moon It's too late, can't stop it, it's a boom No, I can't, I wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive We stay alive, ayy